In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. In today's reading, St. Paul reminds the church of the great power of music, a gift of God to the earth which lifts us up towards the heavens. St. Augustine even went so far as to say the one who sings prays twice. Somehow, music allows us to say godly words and simultaneously to experience the grace of God which is beyond words. Our Father who art in heaven is one thing, but hide me. That's totally another. In church terminology, we could say that music is sacramental. So physical things, strings and keys and vocals, affect a mysterious inner movement of God's grace. Today's sermon is a reflection on the power of music and how we might best use it for our spiritual uplift on Sundays and throughout the week. Music has great powers to move us, but that can go in any direction. Music can move us to the highest things of God or toward lower things like politics and personalities and products. We hear so much music in our daily lives, which is aimed towards the trivial, that we can become numb to music's higher purpose. When every day we hear the heartwarming music of Mozart or the Beatles used to sell car insurance or cat food, our ears become dull to the great gift of music, and deep inside, we know that this is a shame. Shouldn't the mystical powers of music to evoke the true and the good and the beautiful be used to move us towards something more true and more good and more beautiful? Well, our houseplants seem to understand this even when we don't. You've surely heard of all those studies which indicate that potted plants grow more robustly when they listen to Mozart's music than when they don't. Music is powerful enough to move us to growth towards life itself, not just towards conspicuous consumption. And if good music helps plants grow, how can we doubt that you and I, who are made in the image of God, that we won't grow more like God when his melodies and his truths fill our ears and our lives. I think we would grow. But as with all spiritual things in this fallen world, it's a lot easier to say than it is to do. It's very hard to let the music of God fill our lives when there's so much other noise which fills us up. You have to make room for God in order to find him. It's very much like our problem with eating and why fasting is such an important spiritual discipline in our church. We don't fast because food is bad. We fast to recall that all food is a gift. We fast to recall that our hunger 
is more than food, and that food for our souls, which God gives, not only fills us, but nourishes and sustains us. And what is true for our mouths is also true of our ears. Be careful how you hear, Jesus said only two weeks ago, because our ears can also become dull and unattuned to the words and music of God. So what can we do to keep our hearing attuned to its highest goal and end? Well, we can fast with our ears. For a day or a week or a season, turning down the sounds which aim us low and turning up the life-giving music and words of God. What would this look like? First off, in this age of ceaseless notifications, this means we have to create periods of silence. Silence is the first language of God, said John of the cross. We have to actively schedule silence in our days, even if for five minutes for a prayer or for 15 minutes for a walk outside so that we can hear God's first language of silence. And when we do listen to music, what if we consciously chose music which moves us to God? Sure, we could listen to Badarak music all week, like Bobby does, and that's a fine thing. But there's lots of godly music out there to listen to. We can listen to the sacred music of Mozart and Brahms and Beethoven and Vivaldi, all Christians. We can tell Siri or Alexa to play Johann Sebastian Bach. His 1,128 pieces of music would provide an entire week of godly music. And how do we know that Bach's music is godly? Well, he actually told us. At the bottom of every piece of music he ever wrote were the letters S, D, and G standing for Soli Deo Gloria, for the glory of God alone. When you finish with Bach, why not listen to the Bach of the Armenian church, Nerses Shnorhali? His hymns and chants make up one quarter of our entire sacred canon. Shnorhali didn't have to write glory to God alone on his works because it's right there in his name, Shnorhali, full of grace. Nerses was full of this heavenly gift of music, which he offered back for the glory of God and for our church. Can you imagine how we would grow alongside our potted plants if we regularly took in such godly refrains? So to reattune our ears to God, first let's find time for silence, and next let's increase our diet of godly music during the week. But finally, let's bring the sacred power of our Sunday music to bear on the rest of our week as it was intended. Because worship, if it's done properly, doesn't end in the sanctuary, it just begins here. True worship puts godly songs within us and leaves them in place for the whole rest of the week. Der Vormja is not just a Sunday solo, it can be a daily mantra. Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on a fallen and an anxious world in such need of your mercy and your grace. 
Sure, we hear that melody in full voice on Sunday, but what if that melody lingered on in us throughout our week, at school, at work, when driving or when shopping? That's what sacred music can be. If we heed Jesus' words, to be careful how we hear. For music is an everyday sacrament where simple words and melodies evoke the movement of God within us and raising us up to our fullest potential in him, now and always, and unto the ages of ages. Amen.